Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, December 8th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Going to chat about week 14 in the NFL. Golf is done for 2020. Nothing to really talk about that. Not really much to talk about with regards to the NHL right now either. So our main focus here, pretty much our sole focus, will be on the NFL on today's show. That is not our sole focus over at ATS.io. We're covering college basketball, college football, the NFL, top sportsbook promotions out there in the business. In fact, we got a sportsbook promotion for tonight you can read up over at ATS.io. A Lamar Jackson prop in the Cowboys-Ravens Tuesday night football game. Read about that over at ATS.io. And also, of course, Thursday again over at BetMGM Sportsbook. Bet a dollar, win $100 in free bets if any touchdown is scored in that game. You can read about that over at ATS.io. And while you're there, take a look at the page for the ATS app, which you can download from the Google Play Store, from the Apple Store. Or if you go to that page on your mobile device, you can go straight to direct links to download the ATS app. Did a lot of work in that app yesterday. A lot of work going on in that app here throughout the week to optimize that with full article integration, full website integration from ATS.io. So you can have it right there in that app at your fingertips in the palm of your hand to get all of our great content from ATS. Got some great content coming up here on today's show with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? It's going well, my friend, but I got to not take issue with you but friendly in a friendly manner disagree golf man this is the big boy this is the um, this is the season-long race to dubai it's their big final tournament eight million bucks patrick reed's the eight to one favorite uh it's a great event it's a great course and i would just say this even when he wasn't playing well martin keimer in dubai is always really good Keimer's had a really good season. Martin Keimer at forty to one looks pretty salty to me, kid. All right, yeah, no PGA Tour. I guess I, uh, I guess I did misspeak there. There is still golf here in twenty twenty over in Dubai, and well, this is their this is their home run, right? I mean, we can is, we can start the show talking about that because I think both of us would rather be in some warm weather uh, over yeah. in Dubai. Now, you mentioned Patrick Reed, the favorite there, and that one, Martin Keimer, on your short list as well. Uh, again, with this being a championship event over there in Dubai, um, you know, this is one that's got a very strong field. So are there any other players that are kind of on your radar here? I know he's not been great this year, but I mean, you're never, you know, and I know he's played well in the desert. I mean, uh, you could look at a Henrik Stenson at 50 to one, you know, if, if, because he hits a three-wood as far as these guys hit driver. If he has a good day off the tee or a good four days off the tee, could be moderately interesting. And then a kid we're going to learn about, this Rasmus Hogard kid, I believe is his name. Uh, he's a, a teenager, has a couple of wins on the tour over there. He's like 70 to one. Oh, actually, I didn't even realize that. Be a Fleetwood and Sung Jaim are playing. You know, they, I mean, these guys, Patrick Reed's been very loyal to the European tour. He loves it, and he goes over there. But and, and he he racks up enough wins early in the year that he's always always eligible to play in this thing. So um, he'll be good. But some of the PGA Tour guys, Matt Wallace was playing good on the PGA Tour, is twenty five to one. But I I take a little look at Keimer, uh, and possibly uh, a Stenson. But it's a great tournament. It's a great course and a great tournament, and a lot on the line. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Victor Hovland, who won last week's event down in Mexico, he's going over to Dubai. He's 12 to 1 out there at BetMGM. Ian Poulter, 40 to 1, another name that obviously everybody mm-hmm. knows. A pretty good handicap here, pretty good field, as you mentioned. So yeah. my apologies for overlooking that tournament. Apparently, there is the, the QBE shootout on the PGA Tour this week. Looks like kind of a pairs event. Answer and Wolf are playing together, Oosthuizen and Watson. Uh, Cameron oh. Champ and Tony Finau, Harris English and Matt Kuchar. I don't know what this event's all about, but uh, I guess I got to do some research on it. Maybe maybe write up a quick article on it. Yeah, no, I listen. I it's funny. Shut her down, and then the clock starts ticking. Other than the Masters, one of my favorite events every year. I just, I think because you're starved for golf, but I, there's just something about Kapalua and that Tournament of Champions. I, I love that course uh, when the wind starts howling. And you've been dying to see golf. So that'll be here before you know it. It's amazing how, you know, the FedEx Cup has been such a success that the fall tournaments actually attract better fields now because the points really do add up and give you a shot to get to East Lake next year. So golf has really exploded to the point where very little downtime. You know, it used to be like two months of the made-for-TV garbage, but it seems like these are tournaments that matter and we're only really shut down for three weeks. Didn't we talk last year here on the show about pulling some strings and, and doing live shows from Kapalua? I feel like we had that discussion. It never no, came we to did. Fruition. We did. Well, we did, and you failed miserably. You were supposed oh. to set that up. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Oh, it's on gotta, you. I got tap. You're the expense account. You're, you're the important guy here, not me. I, oh you know, no. You were supposed to set that up. You got all the connections. I don't have oh, a yeah. big network. You know everybody. Oh yeah. Well, that's the problem. They know me. I guess that's true. I, knowing knowing what I know now about how 2020 went, I would have tried a lot harder to go to Kapalua. In yeah, how about that? Yeah, and, and then hopefully go there and get stuck there. Yeah. Oh, there. You can work from Hawaii now. You have to volunteer, but they will pay for your round trip travel if you want to work from Hawaii uh, on uh, on Waikiki. But you have to volunteer when you get there, which a small price to pay, I guess, volunteer if you're able to, to work what? from home. I I don't know if it's island cleanup or, or something like that, but uh, I there's a lot of things I would do outside in sunny and 80 right now as opposed to seeing gray skies and snow on the ground all the time. Can we negotiate? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Right. Well, that's up to you. Again, now, now it's your turn. Now you got to figure it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. We'll shoot for next year. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so let's chat some NFL here on today's show, and uh, I'll cut a highlight video. I keep forgetting to do this, but as long as everything goes fine with the uh, with the audio or the video stream here, I will cut a highlight video talking about some Week 14 games. But before we get to that, Brian, for our day of listeners, any thoughts on tonight's Cowboys-Ravens game from you with Baltimore? Pretty much a nine-point favorite market-wide in the total 45-and-a-half. Yeah, the side's a little, a little sketchy for me. Um, I think... Dallas basically with the Giants and Redskins pulling off those wins, their lot in life is pretty much settled in now. But there's still a lot of skill on that offensive side of the ball. Um, I, I kind of like the over, I guess, a little bit. Uh, seeing 45 is the low. The consensus, what, 45 and a half? Um, I still think the Dallas defense is is more than suspect. And you know, you still have Elliott and, and Cooper and C.D. Lamb, and they've got weapons. But the funny thing is when you watch this game, 
if I had said to you before the season, you never, you this, you'd have never had me on again. If I had said to you before the season, Baltimore could miss the playoffs. I mean, believe me, I, if they somehow spit the bit in this game, they got a problem. I mean, they've got a, win, a winnable slate of games on the back end, but certainly now Cleveland has the ability to, to take them out the way they're playing. And without doubt, I know we've talked about it on the podcast previously, but I think we see it week after week. I just think you know the AFC is so much better than the NFC, and you look at the depth of the contenders to make the playoffs in the AFC. You better not have uh, another banana peel the way the Ravens are going. Yeah, I mean the Ravens have to win tonight, and then of course next Monday, massive game in Cleveland, probably the biggest Browns game of my lifetime, uh, born in '86. So huge game for the Browns next week because now all of a sudden the division's back in play with mm-hmm. Buffalo, you know, going to close a favorite against Pittsburgh here on Sunday night football. So now all of a sudden the division back in play for Cleveland and you know, I mean, uh, that man, that would be crazy to say the least, but you know, Hey, I guess we'll kind of wait and see uh, what happens with Baltimore tonight. And then of course, what that line looks like against Cleveland next week after they get through tonight's game. And Brian will have a highlight video over on our ATS YouTube page, taking a look at that Baltimore and Cleveland matchup. Once we know what Baltimore's done tonight and if they get through tonight's game healthy, a lot of interesting storylines for this game, not to spend too much time on it, but you know, Dallas, the Thanksgiving game, not really a big surprise. The performance that they had after the tragic incident with Marcus Paul, then of course, you know, trying to rebound from that play without really being able to process all the emotions, especially for the players that were there. And then Baltimore coming off COVID Lamar Jackson coming back, you know, what does the game plan look like for him? Uh, The weird, you know, set up for Baltimore. Maybe this affected Pittsburgh. I don't know. Playing Wednesday to Monday. Maybe it affects Baltimore playing Wednesday to Tuesday because it's just so out of the ordinary. I, I agree with you. The over is probably something I would look at here. But from a side standpoint, I don't have the slightest idea what I would like here. Yeah, I, I'm not – I don't trust either team. That uh, You don't know what you're going to get from one minute to the next. I mean, Baltimore could win by 30. Dallas could win by 10, you know, the way – can you make the case for every game? No, I don't think so. I, um, I just I don't trust either one of these teams. So that's why, in generally speaking, um, like yesterday, I, I played the totals more often than not, 70% of the time. And I had the under in, in the Steelers game and the over in the Bills game. Um, and it's just it's a me thing. But it, it works. I mean, it's whatever works for you. As And football's a funny-shaped object in backdoor covers and goofball things. But to me, you know, the pace of the game, that means you're right over the course of 60 minutes and not necessarily one bad bounce. To me, totals are like the safer play. That's just always kind of been my approach to it. And not trusting either team, the one thing I do think can happen uh, is that I'm going to see points from both of these offenses. And Dallas's defense, like I said, is better, but they can still have those moments where they're shredded. And, and, and it's just, it's so funny to watch now. Lamar Jackson, teams are forcing him to be a quarterback. It's like, you know, you go from MVP to all of a sudden they figured you out. And he's still, he's an incredible athlete and he's going to make incredible plays. But if he's making, you know, two incredible plays now a game instead of nine, there's the rub. And if you keep him in the pocket and force him to beat you from the pocket, 
by rushing fewer guys in that one instance, that's the right game plan against that team and teams are doing it and it's working. Yeah. And of course I'll be very interested to see what Cleveland's adjustments are after losing that opener 38, seven or 38, six, I think it was to Baltimore. But again, the Browns with a first year head coach and Kevin Stefanski, no preseason to work with. That wasn't really that big of a surprise. That game didn't happen. Right. Yeah. All right. Go, go punch up the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, on any site, and then go and look at their schedule. Just keep clicking back and forth, season after season after season. They win all their preseason games. There were no preseason games this year, and Baltimore absolutely rolls teams in the opener. It was it two years ago? The Bills ended up having, I think, at the end of the day, the third best defense in the league at season's end, and they lost the opener there. I don't even remember what it was, like forty-five to seven or something. No, that's that's Baltimore's mo in the opener. That that would that game never even happened. I would even uh, if I'm Savansky, I'm not even I'm not even pulling that tape out. I'm not letting the guy see one play of that game. No, I agree, and and I think for betters, it's important to think that way as well for that Monday night game coming up here in Week 14. But with that, we'll try to record this and see how it goes here, and post this over on our YouTube page, taking a look at Week 14. I'm ATS radio host Adam Burke, joined by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, let's go ahead and start with this Thursday night game between New England and the Rams. You have posted a solo video, or you've recorded a solo video for us over on our ATS YouTube page for this one. Rams minus six, total 44 and a half. New England stays on the West Coast on UCLA's campus because they just played the Chargers in this same SoFi Stadium venue this past weekend. What do you think about this Thursday night game? How does this one go for the Patriots? Well, I like the Rams. And give Belichick credit. He's figured out a way to compete and get back in the race. They're at 500. Uh, So they're in the hunt. So they're still motivated. But, Adam, how many weeks? We've been talking about this on this podcast. It's one of the real moneymakers we've had this year. And that's just sit back and watch the New England game and come in and jump in the pool at halftime. If they're ahead, you play them uh, because they're ahead. Obviously, the plan they've got is frustrating the opposing offense more often than not. And they run the ball either with Newton or a bevy of running backs, and they can control the pace of the game. But if they're behind, Newton can't bring them back. I mean, they destroyed the Chargers. And what did he, did he even have a hundred yards passing in that game? No. You know, so you're going against the Rams with Darnold, uh, with uh, uh, Donald and Ramsey, that defense uh, can be a midfold. And the, the rub would be there are days when Goff gets sketchy. And what is Belichick taking away here? It's like, you know, the Rams do spread it around pretty good. Um, maybe points are at a premium in the game. But I, I just I don't see the Patriots generating hardly any offense at all against the Rams. I really don't. No, I don't either. I think it's Rams or nothing here in this one. And and obviously, you know, it's an interesting spot with uh, with New England. You know, staying out west. You know, obviously, you got the pandemic. You've got very strict restrictions in California. So all they're going to be focused on is football. So they should be very well prepared for this game. But to me, I think when you look back at what New England did to the Chargers this past weekend, that was a referendum on Anthony Lynn. That was a spot where I don't think the Chargers were going to show up for that guy. He basically told him prior to the game, 
yeah, we don't really have anything to play for. We're not going to the playoffs or anything like that. We didn't see a max effort from the Chargers. We saw very little effort from the Chargers in that game. The Rams his game, his game management and other things, so many of the things that, and he's a terrific uh, coordinator. Uh, or I like Anthony Lynn, but I mean, his game management's a disaster. And I think you bring up a great point at, at what I mean, that was, that was like, I always make the analogy that the, the chiefs, it's like they're fooling around a kitten with a toy pawing around with it. And he's hanging around and you, you never, even though the game can be close, you never feel like it's in doubt. But that was Belichick against the rookie quarterback. And they, they just frustrated the heck out of the kid. For Herbert's sake, you know, you got to really start saying, what's the answer here? We got to get a guy in here that can help the development of Herbert. And I think Lynn's days are numbered. Boy, you think about that. They're competitive and gave games away with just stupid stuff. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, this is a team that the Chargers compete week in and week out. They're in close games, whether they win them or not. It's kind of up in the air. They just weren't competitive last week. Yeah. And that says more about the Chargers than it does about New England to me. I think this line should be higher. I think this line should be seven, maybe mm-hmm. even seven and a half. I understand that there was some opposition to the Rams for their game against the Cardinals this past weekend. I was on the Rams. It was one of the five winners I had in the Circa. I think the Rams are coming into form. I think that this is a very solid defense. They grade very well, whether it's traditional metrics or advanced metrics. And they've figured it out with Jared Goff. Sean McVay has made adjustments. Everybody in the league copied Sean McVay for the last two, two and a half years. This year, McVay's doing things a little bit differently. They're running the football very effectively. They've taken some of that pressure off of Goff. And the one thing that we know about Jared Goff, if you can pressure him, that's when you have success against him. New England does not generate a whole lot of pressure. I think Goff has time to sit back there in the rocking chair. They can run the football effectively. I don't think I can submit my circuit card on Thursday because of all the COVID stuff and all of that. Cause you have to have all five plays, but I do like the Rams minus six this week. It'll probably be a personal play in pocket. Yeah. Uh, and then it's funny as we're talking about, I do believe the AFC is way better than the NFC. So, and it's funny how things go in segments of a season, go back seven, six, seven weeks. We're standing there saying the NFC West, man, that, that's that is that the best division in football. Well, Seattle stubbed their toe. Arizona's driven off a cliff. Um, San Francisco, the injuries finally caught up with them, and it, it looked like they were making a big push here. And then Buffalo put it to them pretty good. And you know the Rams team runs a little hot and cold. So <laughs> we thought that division was great. Now the division as a whole has been stubbing their toe. Honestly, as we're talking it out, bud. I'm kind of thinking the under sounds good. Uh, I don't see the Patriots doing much of anything. And I can see Belichick dialing something up to force Goff into some mistakes here and there. I mean, they're getting the running game going a little bit with Akers and Henderson. But, you know, I mean, if you're betting on Belichick, I think you're betting on this game being low scoring. And it may not be enough for him to cover the spread, but if they have any chance, it's a defensive game. So maybe the under is the safer play, to be honest with you. Well, the interesting thing about this game is going to be, you know, New England doesn't have a great run defense, but we talk about Belichick trying to take something away. He may flood the box. He may tell his corners, you know what? Mm -hmm. You're in single coverage and figure it out. And he'll force Jared Goff to beat him. And I think the Rams do have enough personnel in that passing game to make that happen. So an interesting cat and mouse game, to be sure. Two very respected head coaches 
And uh, I, I just think that the Rams are just vastly superior to New England here, uh, especially with the way that you know this game kind of sets up from a matchup standpoint. How about we go to Sunday here? And let's talk about the first game on the board, Green Bay and Detroit. Green Bay, seven and a half point road favorite at Ford Field. Total 55 for this one, Brian. And Detroit, you know, look, you can say what you want about Chicago and the dumpster fire that they are. But Detroit found a way to get it done, looked more invested, looked more engaged without Matt Patricia. Are they going to you know, be a dangerous team, a thorn in the side of the Packers here this weekend? Well, I mean, the question was going into the Lions game, you know, do they get a bounce from the new head coach? And it seemed like the players did not like Patricia. And uh, all of a sudden they showed up and the offense got going. I, I've not seen yet. We'll start finding out today whether Galladay comes back here for the stretch run, not that they have anything to play for, do they shut him down? But Stafford had a big game, and clearly maybe it's a a team playing with house money here. And for Green Bay, they've just been cruising right along. Um, You know, maybe this is a dangerous spot for Green Bay. Um, And based on what we saw last week, I mean, you would have to think, think a track meets in order, hence 55, 55 and a half, and that may be low. Well, and and I look at this game and I sort of look up and down the card just in general. And I know that we have some games that are a little bit higher total than you would want to play with teasers, but a lot of people are going to tease Green Bay down to one and a half. A lot of people are going to tease Tennessee down to one and a half. Maybe Chicago, you tease up to seven and a half or eight with that low scoring expectation at Soldier Field. Um, You got some games where you can tease like Kansas City down to one and a half. Tampa Bay to almost a pick them. Uh, New Orleans down almost to pick them, stuff like that. I don't know if this will be a very popular week for straight bets, but teasers are going to be all over the place, and the books are going to be rooting for somebody to break those up. And you know, I don't know if Detroit winds up being one of those somebodies, but I think Packers teased down to one and a half will be one of the most popular plays of the week. And like you said, there's always one of them that goes awry. And, and the question is, you have to determine, was that a one-game thing? And, you know, I know, by the way, they were playing the Bears who couldn't get out of their own way. Or is this Detroit team? Because don't don't forget the the players, uh, you know, last year they they had Kansas City and uh, San Fran beat. They started fast and they fell apart. And then it's almost like there was a mini revolt there and they just they weren't playing for Patricia also. Maybe they are a completely different team. One game isn't enough for you to with conviction pull the trigger one way or the other, but it bears watching. And look what Atlanta's been ever since Raheem Morris jumped in there. So, you know, the change of coach midstream, you got to pay attention to it. Well, and I think something that's important to note here is I don't think players tank. I think coaches tank. I think coaches just either aren't prepared. I mean, say what you will about Greg Williams and the cover zero and the all out blitz against Derek Carr at the end of that game. But you know, the players are out there. They're playing for contracts. They're playing mm-hmm. for playing time. They're playing for money. You know, the the players don't tank unless they have something they want to say. The Chargers had something they wanted to say, and that was, we don't want Anthony Lynn to be our head coach anymore. I don't think Detroit necessarily tanked, but it was pretty evident from a lot of the comments that they had been making and some of the efforts that we have seen. They didn't like Matt Patricia. They wanted him gone. Detroit may not be a good team, and they're probably not a good team. But with that being said, now that Patricia's gone, they have no reason not to play because now they are playing for money. They are playing for, you know, playing time with whoever the new head coach is, whatever the new regime looks like, stuff like that. So I think it's a very important distinction to make at this time of the year where 
you're going to have team. Let's take Jacksonville, for example. You know, does Doug Marone keep that job? Probably not. But Jacksonville's played hard every week. They don't get blown out often. They play a lot of close games. It would be Jacksonville or nothing for me here in this Tennessee spot, even though Tennessee is clearly the better team, because I've seen no indication from the Jaguars that they want Doug Marone gone. So mm-hmm. it's very important to you know sort of make those distinctions and, and draw those lines at this time of the year, because coaches on the hot seat are getting headlines. They are getting the mainstream media buzz, but it doesn't necessarily mean the players are going to buy in to you know wanting that guy gone or buy into some sort of narrative. Well, it's funny you mentioned Tennessee because you and I, and I told the story on the, my radio show out here yesterday, you and I had a conversation at halftime. I said, well, talk about being, if you're going to be wrong, go down in flames. And we were talking at halftime and the, Tennessee was down 38-7. I said, I give them one series. If they don't get, go down and score, I'm pulling Derrick Henry. And you said, well, they should pull Daniel. I go, yeah, just live to fight another day. It's not your day. Well, I mean, I learned a lot about Tennessee that day because they did not quit. I mean, they just kept coming and coming and coming. And I learned more about Tennessee and that defeat uh, than, than I did had they, you know, beat the Browns by 14. And when you get to the playoffs, this is the team to me is a matchup nightmare because they can run the football. Um, and I, I think Vrabel, they play for Vrabel, man. I mean, he either wanted two things. He either ripped the paint off the walls in the locker room at halftime and I bet he didn't do that. I bet he didn't even go talk to him. I bet he didn't say one word because they knew. And those players responded and didn't quit. I mean, that, that, they were being embarrassed. Turn the page. Everybody will forget about it in three weeks. But the way they kept coming in that game, you know, that, that speaks volumes to me. And, and then the other thing I would say to watch for, and I had a debate with somebody on Twitter. Uh, I was a Bills fan. So, all that matters is Miami. They're talking for the Bills. And then somebody replied, well, no, but they're seeding, you know, in, in an easier path. And I'm like, easier path? I mean, seriously, what's the difference between playing Tennessee, Indianapolis, or Baltimore in the first round? I mean, you're, you're in the AFC, you're going to play somebody really good. And there's only one bye. So to me, give Kansas City the bye. And then beyond that, good luck to you. You're gonna you're gonna run a gauntlet no matter what you do, to the point where I believe once you win the division, like the, for the Bills specifically, but uh, you know, the, I would rest guys. I'm starting in week 16. I, I honestly got, I mean, it, listen. You get your home game, you win a division. I'm resting guys in week 16 and 17. Maybe they play a half or, or things like that. It doesn't matter to me because there are no fans. You know, the, the, a buy is a big deal or playing at home is a big deal. Playing at home is not a big deal this year. There are not enough fans there to impact the way you approach the game. And personally, and you saw it last night, this is me. I think the Bills play better football on the road. I think there's just, they're one of those teams that they're really focused the business trip and bonding and the whole nine yards, they play with a level of intensity on the road that I think they're lacking in where they have so many speed bumps and just get lackadaisical at home. I want them to go on the road, but watch for week 16 and 17, Adam. I mean this once teams are locked in, what's most important, be healthy for the run. And I, because I'm not worried about having to go on the road. There are no fans. 
I mean, frankly, from Buffalo's standpoint, I'd rather play on the road just because you don't know what you're going to get in January in Western New York. And, you know, the, the defense has personnel and they are getting healthier, as you and I talked about before we started recording here. But it's about Josh Allen. I mean, that running game has gotten better of late, it's not but good it's about enough. Josh Allen. And you want Josh Allen throwing in good weather because that gives you the absolute best chance to win. And it's why, even despite the line movement, the heavy action on San Francisco in last night's game, I like Buffalo because Josh Allen was going to a controlled environment where, you know, he was going to be able to put up numbers. And he absolutely did. And yeah, I mean, I I think if I'm Buffalo, I'd I'd much rather go on the road, although they're probably going to win that division and not really have that luxury, uh, at least for their first game. But no, I I totally agree with you. The biggest angle that was out there that nobody took into consideration was the white face mask angle. <laughs> all right. When Minnie Mo, right. They made a big deal about it on social media. They looked faster. Didn't they look faster? No. You know what? They only did it once before. There's only one other time. They made a big deal of it. And I wonder if they'll do it the rest of the way because of their primetime games. But last year, they've never, they've always just worn the standard gray face mask. They did it last year. They're one, they were 1-0 coming in. They did it on Thanksgiving Day last year and murdered the Cowboys. Well, so let I'm, me see I this. the white face mask angle. You've, you've talked about this before, and you talked about this on last week's show, and I know we talked about it, I think, when I did your Sports Grid show on Tuesday as well. Buffalo doesn't get primetime games. Buffalo yeah. has always been overshadowed. Unless they're playing New England and they happen to get a primetime game out of that, they've always been overshadowed. And now they're getting them. And they've got another one here this week. And I think about that angle with the Browns on Monday night as well, where the Browns have an opportunity in front of a nationally televised audience to show how far they've come. Baltimore plays in this spotlight all the time. It's nothing special to them. It's nothing new to them. But for teams like Buffalo and Cleveland, I don't know if they're going to win. I don't know if Buffalo wins outright. I don't know if they cover. I don't know if Cleveland wins. I know one thing is for damn sure. We are going to get 110% efforts out of both of those teams here in week 14. And sometimes that's half the battle in the NFL is knowing that a team's going to show up for you. I know Buffalo is going to show up. Now, I also know Pittsburgh is going to show up after losing their perfect record, losing that game to Washington. But I know Buffalo is going to be there. And to me, you know, that, that makes the difference sometimes between a lean and a pick or something like that. Well, I played the over last night because I was really leery of the Bills looking ahead to the Steelers. And because even though they were on Monday Night Football, they got the Steelers coming in, and I know they had that game circled. Steelers are coming in unbeaten. We're going to be the ones to take them out. I was convinced before last night's game the Bills were going to beat the Steelers, and I was really worried about last night. But this, the, the thing with Buffalo, they are dangerous now, Adam. They are getting healthy. Matt Milano was back in the lineup last night. He was all over the football field again. Edmonds had been hurt. Um, And the amazing thing, I'm telling you, you watch Edmonds, their middle linebacker. This is remarkable. He's been their leading tackler for three years. He's 22 years old, Adam. When they drafted him, he was 19. You think of the upside of what that kid can become once the game slows down for him. I mean, and they dumped all this on him. The play caller is a 19-year-old, and he's been he's been hurt. Milano's been hurt. Trey White was nicked up, and the Bills' defense has been running hot and cold. They and but now the new lineman they got 
are doing a better job against the run. They had the goal, the goal line stand last night. This defense is starting to meet, make plays and create turnovers again. They're starting to get back to what they were. And the Bills offense has just exploded onto the scene. They are, they are a very dangerous football team. They are. And Pittsburgh has been losing guys left and right on defense. You know, they lose Dupree last night. Spillane gets hurt. They've kind of had some transition with their defense and their offense is very pedestrian. It is a very average offense. You know, James Conner, of course, didn't play last night, but you know, even with Claypool and Smith Schuster, the passing game is still grading out as pretty average. So now you got a Buffalo defense getting healthy, getting better, a Pittsburgh defense getting worse, a Buffalo offense that's been very good. And of course, we'll see what the weather forecast looks like for this one. But at least Josh Allen is mobile enough to get away from that pass rush. I, I think it's got to be Buffalo on Sunday night football. It has to be. Well, and the, the one thing is, this is going to sound crazy. It's an analogy. And I'm not, talent-wise, it's no contest. But when you watch Kansas City, Hill and Kelsey are uncoverable. And if you do devote everything to cover them, then you got Sammy Watkins or Hardman, you know, running around like a reindeer in the secondary. They're nowhere near as electric as Kansas City. But Buffalo has the same thing. You've got the young, you got the mobile quarterback with the cannon arm, but they now have five wide receivers that are open. They always, Kansas City always has someone open. And Buffalo now has a group of guys where someone is always open. Beasley is uncoverable. He's Edelman. He's today's version of Edelman. You know, and, and Buffalo leads the league, I believe, in third down conversion success. And that's because Beasley is uncoverable. You know, if, if you're putting a nickel guy on him or a linebacker, he's always open, move the chains. And then Diggs is getting, they're devoting so much attention to Diggs. And now the Davis kid is good. Isaiah McKenzie, who scored a touchdown last night, touches the ball three times a game at him. It's either a touchdown or a big play to move the sticks. And John Brown's out. When John Brown comes back, He's not Tyreek Hill, but he's their version of Tyreek Hill who can stretch the field. And, and now Allen knows how to go through his progressions. It's, it's, it's a, they're, they're similar. You know, Kansas City has the more electric guys, but Buffalo has the same concept that Kansas City's running, and Allen has the arm to get at the guys in windows if a guy is open. Yeah, and the reason Buffalo, or the reason why I stayed off Buffalo in the circuit, which you know would have been a winning pick as well, is that John Brown was out, and their offense has been dramatically better with John Brown in the lineup here so far this year. I think a couple more games on IR for him, but he should be back uh, for mm-hmm. that playoff push as well. Speaking of Kansas City, let's talk about that Kansas City Miami game real quickly here. Seven and a half, the predominant number. Although you're getting, uh, you're paying some extra juice on Miami if you take the hook. Total on that one, 49 and a half. What do you think about Kansas City laying a road number heading to South Florida? The the only concern here is Kansas City lets teams hang around. It's almost like they challenge themselves for they're, fun. They're, they're, it's like they're clowning around, but you they never you never feel like the game's in doubt. I mean, go back. It's funny. Uh, if you go back, the Bills played them. The final score was 26-17. Was that a Tuesday game? That was one of those weird, and it was an afternoon game. And Kansas City pushed Buffalo around. The, the final was 26-17. 
But at the end of the game, Kansas City, even though they were in complete control of the game, it came down to a third and 15 with four minutes to go in the game. And the Bills were down six. And Jerry Hughes, like, blitzed, you know, what are you doing? Contain. And Mahomes ran for the first down, and they tacked on a field goal, and the game was over. But, But Buffalo had a chance to get the ball back and go down and win the game. Denver had a chance to go down and win the game. The Raiders have been kind of their kryptonite a little bit. But they, they just have so many weapons. But they're not blowing anybody out. But I think this is the week they do. Because as good as Miami's defense is, they've not seen anything like this. And I, honest to God, I mean, you can't knock what they're doing. I mean, they're winning football games. But I just watch this Miami thing and go, how sustainable is this? I, the Tua thing is all dink and dunk and, and manage the game, and we'll see what he becomes. I've been piling on the guy. He's a rookie coming off of a grizzly injury. But I, I think Fitzpatrick, in a game like this, I think Fitzpatrick gives you a better shot because they're going to have to produce, you would think, if Miami's winning this game, right, if you were having a target saying – we got to score 27, 28 points to have a chance to win this game, a chance. And that's with Miami's defense playing great and creating some turnovers. I don't know Miami can do it. No, and, and I mean, look, you know, I, I had a perfect week in the circle, but I got lucky in a couple of situations. The Colts getting that turnover inside the five, and then Miami, who had a million chances to put up points in that game against Cincinnati. Their red zone play calling was simply atrocious. Tua's decision-making in the red zone was bad. They were just fortunate to play a Cincinnati team that's so awful that they were able to cover that 11-and-a-half-point number. If Burrow's if, playing if, in that game since he wins by 10. Yeah, and, and and the thing of it is here, look, maybe Miami does move the ball. Maybe Tua puts them into scoring situations. If they walk away with three instead of seven, they sure as hell ain't covering this game. And that's what would be the worry for me with Miami in this spot because Kansas City's getting seven, and if Miami's getting three and that happens over the course of the game, it's a 28 to 12, 28, 17 type of game. And Kansas City, like you said, they don't blow a lot of people out. It feels like they can if they want to. I don't know if they want to here, but they may just accidentally do it just because of the red zone success. Well, and I think you got to do when you're playing a team like this too, you got to be willing to go outside the box a little bit. I mean, like Denver, you're sitting there going, eh, and what was it? Five, six minutes ago in a game, it's fourth and three around midfield. I'm going for that. I mean, if I, if I, yeah, I know it's worked for 50 some minutes and we've hung around, we've given ourselves a chance, but at that point, fourth and three, you got to say, well, if, if, we'll trust the defense stops them if, if they get a field goal, but you got to take a chance. I mean, you, you got to go on the premise. I ain't getting it back. And KC right. moved the ball, moved the ball, moved all, took all the time off the clock and got the field goal. If they'd have gone for the fourth and three of midfield, maybe they get the first down, maybe they get the, the points and actually win the game. Or because they were at midfield instead of punting it down to the 10, KC would have got off the field a lot sooner and they'd had more time to go down the field and maybe would have had a timeout or two at the end. I don't know. You got to think outside the box when you're a, a team like Denver playing a team like Kansas City. Not to mention, you're not playing for anything as Denver. I go know. for it. Yeah. I know. I don't know. I, look, if your decision is to try to get three yards or give it back to Patrick Mahomes, I you're trying to get three yards. I, 
Remember you the and one I, game? You and I could what just was rant about coaches on every show, though. What was the one game? It was a famous game eons ago, but it was Brady versus Manning. And Belichick went for it on fourth and whatever from his own 20. And they thought he was crazy, and they got it. And went down. I think they ended up winning a game. And Belichick said, "I like. I'd rather. I'd rather take my chances with Brady to get me a, a first down on fourth and four, than give the ball back to Manning because we can't stop him." And that's reading the situation in game. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it's something that you definitely have to do. One more game to ask you about here, Brian, and then we'll wrap things up for today. Minnesota and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, six and a half point favorite, 51 and a half the total here. Now, I'm on record on this show multiple times over as saying that the bye week has actually been a detriment for a lot of teams. You can't practice. You can't do anything. You can't leave town, go on vacation because you're trying not to get COVID. Carolina, of course, coming off the bye, they've got some COVID cases. It's happened a lot with a lot of teams here so far this season. Nothing like that with Tampa Bay. Maybe the buy is a good thing for Tampa yeah. Bay because they've had a lot of issues going on. Is it a good enough thing for you to trust them laying six and a half here against a competitive Minnesota squad? You know, the problem is with Minnesota, you, I mean, you've got Cook who can just, he can light you up himself. And then Cousins can do good things, but Cousins can implode. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. At this late date, for a team like Tampa Bay, I, I don't know so much about this week, but I think this bye coming now is a godsend for them. You know, it's a little longer in the tooth with Brady and Gronkowski. Uh, and I would envision Brady's work ethic and the way he is. And like you said, there's really nowhere you could go or do anything. I, I bet you they actually did a lot of healthy work in, in the, this bye week to get better. I, I wouldn't think this was, you know, putting your – putting your feet back and, you know, just hanging out at home and, hey, you're off for four days. You know, I, I bet you there was a lot of film study and, uh, you know, Brady maybe even doing more work with Antonio Brown to get him involved or things of that nature. I don't know how it applies to this week's game, but I think this buy will benefit Tampa Bay uh, in the stretch run. And then the question to me becomes, I know you asked me about this game. I, I don't have a real opinion on it. Um how dangerous is Tampa Bay? Is, is that experience something that can make noise when the playoffs get here? Because it's been a roller coaster ride for them. It's either, but man, they look great or they look horrible. I mean, they, they murdered the Packers, you know, and everybody has a good, great day. Everybody has a bad day. And that was the Packers bad day. I just, I'm curious. I don't know. What do you think? How dangerous is Tampa Bay here down the road? I think it's a hard question to answer just because I don't know what Brady has in the tank. But what I can tell you about this game is I actually like Tampa Bay and I've been pretty adamant going against Tampa Bay, thinking that they're overrated over the last few weeks. Two reasons I like Tampa Bay. The first is, again, I think the bye week is an advantage here for them as an older team where they got it. And I think back to when the NHL started incorporating bye weeks and Teams would come off the buy and they would just get smoked. I mean, it was a we were printing money with that trend of teams coming off the buy against the team that was playing. It was easy money, the easiest money I've ever seen in this business. But the teams that had later bye weeks started to adjust and they were like, you know what? We're seeing this. We got to figure some things out so this doesn't happen to us. I think for Tampa Bay, when you look at how teams had struggled off the buy, like weeks 
seven through 11, seven through 12, I think teams that have had the late buys have kind of adjusted. Buffalo had a late buy. They played well. Um, you know, there's some other teams that kind of fit into that mold. I think teams are just realizing, you know, what they have to do to navigate the bye week and be okay. So I think that benefits Tampa Bay here. The second thing is that prior to last week's game, Alexander Madison was ruled out for Minnesota. And it was one of those things where one of the beat writers, and this is one of the reasons why I took Jacksonville at the last minute, one of the beat writers said, Dalvin Cook's been playing beaten up. Dalvin Cook's been playing hurt. He's been taking a lot of bumps and bruises. Delvin Cook had 32 carries last week in that game against Jacksonville. They needed him, and they needed every one of them. So I think Delvin Cook is very banged up going into this game against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay can get pressure, can make Cousins uncomfortable. I think this is actually a play-on spot for the Buccaneers, and I usually don't like laying big chalk like this and not this year off the bye, but I think this is one where Tampa Bay is set up really nicely, actually. You know, as we wrap it up, right? But I, I would say, I wonder if the NFC East being such a dog's breakfast actually didn't have impact around the entire conference where a team say, ah, the division's gone, but yeah, and we're fine. We're going to get in. The NFC East is so bad. And, and you sit here and you look right now, uh, Minnesota and Arizona uh, at six and six are, well, Minnesota's the seventh seed, Arizona's the eighth seed, you know, and Arizona's in free fall. But a team like the Bucks, and I, I know they're all fighting for the division in the West. I just wonder if that NFC East thing, because so many more spots were are open because a whole division was out, you know, if, if that impacted other teams with sustained intensity week in, week out. Yeah, yeah, we'll get them next week. Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. And uh, again, it's a tough card. A lot of teaser options here on this week's card for week 14. Uh, But, you know, this highlight video here talking about a lot of things for week 14 over on our ATS YouTube page. Subscribe over there and make sure you subscribe to the full editions of ATS Radio, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. With that, Brian, anything else you want to mention here on today's show before we uh, sign off for the day? Well, I'm hopeful that we're going to get some news today, tomorrow, the next day, uh, and get something definitive from the NHL on what their season's going to be. I think mid-January, January 13th, probably 52 games. Um, It seems like they finally said enough. We're at this financial impasse with all the jockeying back and forth between the owners and the players association. I think they're going to put that behind them because the clock's ticking. They got to get done before the Olympics. I'm looking for an announcement from the NHL here in the next 48 hours, because they got to do this. They got to make a decision. We're starting. Here's the master plan. And there aren't going to be fans. There are a number of owners that don't even want to play because they're going to lose so much money, but fingers crossed that they come to a, a plan and we're going to do this. And, and the, the, I think the thing that will be fun if they pull this off and say, let's go. You know, one of the coolest things you get during the regular season, you get the Calgary Edmonton battle of Alberta uh, in some rivalry games, but there are going to be so many home and home games where you know, they play Friday and then they're going to play Sunday. We'll, we'll see in the next game and the bad blood builds up. But usually the teams hop on a plane and go to the other building. 
you know, so there's travel and uh, it's the grind of the season. This is going to be a short season where you can't have a long losing streak. You can play yourself right out of it. But you're going to have so many back-to-back games where San Jose's in Vegas on a Friday, stays and plays on Sunday. Uh, the Boston's in New York to play the, the Rangers twice. You're going to get all these back-to-back games where the guys go back to a hotel room or they go home, come back and play. And the short season, the intensity in those back-to-back games could be a real treat. And I think, too, in a scenario like that, ripe for great betting opportunities. Massive yeah. overreactions to the first game of a back-to-back, a home-and-home, something like that. A lot uh, of backup know, goalies. Yeah, a lot of backup goalies. You know, and, and that's the question, too, is, you know, you're playing 52 games, let's say. How many games can you give your backup? And if you don't have a quality backup, you know, how many of these starters – are just going to have to play all these condensed games and all that should be lots of betting opportunities. If they're able to get this thing going, backups will play more than you think. I mean, they're, they're going to be, have to, they're going to be playing almost on average. You're going to be playing four games a week. Yeah. Uh, they're, and then they're going to be some nights where they're playing four games in six days. I mean, uh, you know, backup uh, percentage wise, even though they're playing less games, the percentage of games would be higher for the backups. I believe. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Hopefully they can pull it off. And again, we'll be able to talk about a lot of good betting opportunities for the NHL if the season gets going here with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, tell us about those two shows, man. Oh, uh, yeah, no, we're excited. And uh, you're going to be on with us today. We actually do an extra hour now on the Sports Grid Radio Network. That's from 11 to 12 Pacific on their site. And then they pick up Sportsbook Radio at noon. Uh, that's on KSHP. Uh KSHP.com, there's a listen live function there. But the Sports Grid Radio Network thing's pretty cool. We're going to be on Sirius 204 uh, starting on January 7th. Uh, we think that's going to be great fun. And if you're a hockey fan, uh, I think you'll like Vegas hockey. I think we have great guests. Tomorrow, uh, Doc Emmerich's going to join us. So we're, oh, wow. we're pretty, pretty excited about that. And, and no, we get great. If you're a hockey fan, you'll love the hockey show. I mean, it's, just, it's fun hockey talk. Uh, so no good stuff doc emmerich's a great grab uh, doc emmerich of course announcing his retirement uh what last month or something mm-hmm. like that uh the sport will very much miss his voice but uh it's a great grab i'm sure he'll have plenty of great stories for you on vegas hockey outline make sure you watch or listen to i should say sportsbook radio as well and follow brian on twitter at brian blessing brian appreciate your time as always sir hey, thank bud. you so much for joining me and I'll, I'll talk to you later today and you'll talk to our listeners again next week I just i just noticed you got the whale on I do. Yeah, well done. See, I didn't even notice him when he went to hockey at an hour. That's all right. It's all good. Although we'll talk Browns, about it later on your the, show. The Browns had clashes with the whale, though. The whale I know. Team. I know. But it's I got to support. It's not, a, it's not a great color scheme. This is the best Browns <laughs> team of my lifetime. I have. <laughs> I can finally wear it with pride. Yeah. Here, you, you, here, you, you know what's going to happen, right? I, like, yeah, I've I waited. I've, no, I've waited 25 years for a quarterback in Buffalo. I got one. Yeah, yeah. Of the five, and, and we're going to have this healthy debate. You got Mayfield. You're happy. Uh, of the ones that are out there, I got the one that I got the one I like out of that, that crop. Um, but we were both so starved for success. You watch the Bills and the Browns play in the first round, and one of our parties ends right out of the gate. Almost guaranteed. Let me ask you this now that you can't hang up on me, although you can cancel on me for, for the appearance later on. So when the Bills and Browns play, uh, do the Brown do the Bills lose on a field goal that goes wide left or wide right? No, I think uh, 
it would be the Nick Chubb, Ernest Biner fumble at the three, and the Bills win. Okay. And honestly, you're too young. But the one, the one, it was the precipice of the Bills going to the four Super Bowls. The Bills would have, should have beat the Browns in the playoffs, and Ronnie Harmon dropped the pass. It's called the drop in Buffalo. And they were called the bickering Bills. And after the drop, the Bills went to four straight Super Bowls. Dumbass Ronnie Harmon doesn't drop the pass. They go to five straight Super Bowls. Probably lose all five, but they go. Yeah, well, our two very tortured fan bases will uh, probably on a crash course here. In the NFL. Uh, just, just remember, the wide right thing. Everybody's got a wide right. Yeah. Everybody's got a wide right. The Browns also have a red right 88. So there's a lot going on here. Well, the worst was was Biner's fumble, right? They're all bad. The the team left for five years. That's the worst. Oh, I forgot about that. 95 to 99. That's that's the worst. But uh, I'm sure we'll be able to commiserate a lot more here on this. I just hope that I swear. I I mean, this in sincerity. I hope they don't play in the first round. Ah, me too. Me too. (laughs) Because <laughs> we'll have to have a side bet on it and everything else. And all right, Brian, I my my uh, cohort Stevie Slapshot. I got uh, the side bet was wonderful yesterday. Hit the oh. Stefan Diggs prop. Thought I was nuts. Well, there you go. All right, buddy. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Always fun, Adam. Have a good day, bud. There you go. Once again, there's Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Coming up on Wednesday, we'll chat with professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. Try to split it 30-30 with college football and college basketball. Thursday, Brad Powers to talk more football. And then Friday, Circa Picks for Week 14. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.